Glory to God. In your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. Then we're going to go over to the book of Matthew real quick. Last week we ministered on not being violated or not feeling violated or victimized or being offended by the demand that the Word of God puts on you. What's amazing about the Word of God is it'll put a demand on every area of your life. On your personality, that that very area of your personality in which you think you cannot change, it's amazing how the Word of God will put a demand on that. On your character, certain areas of your character, you think, well, I can't ever change in that area. It's amazing the Word of God will put a demand on that. On your finances, your physical body, just about every area of your life, if you will submit it to the Word of God, God will take that Word, He will put a demand upon you, but out of that will come a great blessing. Out of that will come an answer to prayer. Out of that will come increase uh, to you financially, health to you physically, uh, mental stability to you uh, in your mind, uh, uh, healing to your marriage, whatever you may need. It will come right out of the Word of God. This is literally the seed bag of God. Everything comes in seed form and this is the seed bag of God. And everything you have need of, He's already supplied it through His Word. you just got to make a decision to take it and plant it, believe God for it and see it come to pass. Everything that we have as a church. Now I guess we're into our eighth year, seven years we've been a church. Everything that we had, we started out in the hotel ballroom over there at the Galvez Hotel, went to the Tremont, then the little building on 45th Street, now a little bit bigger building up on 69th Street. But everything we have, we just got out and started believing God. Started acting on the Word of God. We would increase certain things and then God would come and increase us. We'd believe God for certain things and God would come through. It's amazing how God does things. Now today we're going to look at that on how when God does things, how you've got to let God be God. Now, first of all, let me say this, because a lot of people put a lot of negative twist on the phrase, what God does. First of all, let me say this, the phrase, God works in mysterious ways, His wonders to perform, is not in the Bible. I heard a guy one time, an evangelist, I I, I knew him for a while, uh, wouldn't, wasn't friends with him, but I was acquainted with him. Uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord. He said one time he preached a three-week revival on the Lord works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. Jerry B. Walker is his name. Somehow you know. <laughs> Ella's shaking her head. She knows who I'm talking about. He told me, he said, I preached three weeks on that. He thought, I better go find where that is in the Bible. He had the type of miracle, uh, ministry. He could get up and, 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 and preach on a restaurant menu and get miracles, you know. But uh, uh, he, uh, he said, I started searching and searching. He said, I finally figured out that wasn't in the Bible. Well, it's not. God does not work in mysterious ways His wonders to perform. God works according to His Word, but God does things His way. Amen. A lot of people like things their way. They're comfortable with things their way. They want to have things their way. They want God to do the financial thing their way. They they want God to do the physical thing their way. They want God to do something in their marriage their way. And God never does it your way. God always does it His way. And it's when you get figured out in your mind some way that God's going to do something and He doesn't do it that way, now you've opened the door for offense when it comes to the way God does things. Now notice this. 2 Kings chapter 5, did I tell you that? This begins with a story of Naaman. Naaman was a leper. He was a captain in the Syrian army. He was a a high-ranking general and officer in the Syrian army. And he had leprosy. Leprosy, uncurable. 
Uh, back then, if you had leprosy, they ostracized you from any type of society. Uh, this was obviously something that had come upon him and was beginning to grow in his body. He had a little servant that worked in his house that had been carried away captive out of Israel. And she basically gave him some information. The information was, there's a prophet down there in Israel who's got the power of God in his life. And if you'll get yourself down there to that prophet, you can get healed. So the Bible says in verse 9, let's pick it up there. It says, so Naaman came with his horses and with his chariots and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shall be clean. There's Naaman's answer right now, right there. And that is how God is going to do it. Amen. Somebody might have said of our brother over here, well, why did he have to have that surgery on his shoulder? Well, I don't know if that's the way God chose to do it. I think one reason is so God could show us the miracle that was done. Amen. But that is the way God chose to do it. You say, well, why is the things going on in the building the way they are? Well, that's the way God chooses to do it. But you must understand something about God where there has been this negative twist and people say, well, you know, that hurricane's an act of God. This tornado's an act of God. Some little person, some little child will get some kind of disease. And they'll say, that. that's not how God does things. Remember the Bible in John chapter 10, verse 10 says, It's the thief that cometh not, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you have, might have life and that you might have it abundantly. And then the Bible says of the Father in the new covenant, He has not appointed His children unto wrath. Which means he does not use negative things to teach you a lesson. He does not break your arm or cause bankruptcy or, or take your business down. He does not do anything like that. If that has happened, it has been the adversary. Recognize it, stand against it, and recover yourself by faith. Amen? So we're talking about the good things that God does in our life. The, the, the powerful things, the miracles that God, let him do them the way he desires to do them. Now, I don't think this was Elijah's, Elisha's particular desire. I believe Elisha heard from God. God spoke to him and said, now there's a man coming down to be healed of leprosy. Don't go out and make big fanfare over him. Don't do anything like that. Just go out and have your servant tell him, go wash in the Jordan seven times. And when you go wash in the Jordan seven times, you're going to be healed. Well, that's pretty simple, isn't it? I've noticed many times the instruction of God is pretty simple. We're the ones that complicate it. We're the ones that put all kinds of stipulations to it. We're the ones that add our tradition, our religion, our philosophy, our theology, and we twist it all up in a big knot and wonder why it doesn't work. When God says it's just that simple, just do this. Just do this. Somebody may be believing God for a large amount of money and God's dealing with you about tithing and offering and you're twisting it all in a knot and you're trying to make all kinds of deals with God when the money comes in, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Now you know you're not going to do anything with what comes in that you ain't doing right now. Go ahead and be honest with yourself and be honest with God and quit trying to play that game. Just do the simple thing. Do the easy thing. And here's the other thing, you can only do what you know. You can only do what you know. So you may need some more knowledge to get out of a situation. You may need some more knowledge to see that healing manifest in your body. You may need some more knowledge in your marriage, some more knowledge in your business. We'll seek after that knowledge. Knock and it shall be open. Ask, amen, and it shall be answered. Seek and you shall find. Put forth some effort in the things of God. It's amazing how little effort sometimes we put, but how big results we want. Well, go ahead and put forth the effort and you'll get the results. So here's Naaman. He's standing there 
Here comes the messenger, walks up to him, say, now, here's what I want you to do. Elisha sent me. He says, here's your answer. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall come again to thee and you shall be clean. Hallelujah. But now notice verse 11. But Naaman was wroth. Let me read that in Amplified. But Naaman was angry. Can you imagine getting angry at a miracle? How many amens on that one is there? How many times do we do the same thing? We see something in the Word of God. God puts that demand on us. We say, well, God, we need this. And God says, okay, do that. And we go, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't doing that. Not me. And God says, well, there's your miracle right there. That's all you got to... And here's the thing about God. He changes not. He's not going to change His mind because of you. He's not going to change his mind because you're mad. So well, I'm just going to get mad. That'll change God. He's not going to change his... He's going to let you be mad. He's going to let you get angry. He's going to let you get all stirred up, get all tied in a knot, and then he'll send another word to get you out of that. You reject that, you just get in a tighter knot. You reject that, you just get in a tighter knot. You reject that, you just get in... It's a, it's a terrible scenario to be involved in. The best thing to do is just rid yourself of all of that. Put up your hand and say, God, you just be God. Whatever you want to do, if I see it in the Word, I'll do it. If you give me knowledge of it, I'll do it, and I'll expect you to do your part. But Naaman was angry and went away. See, that doesn't draw you close to God. That separates you from Him. And went away and said, Behold, I thought. There's your problem. Our thinking processes that are unsubmitted to the Word of God, always will cause us trouble. I'm glad you're so excited. Some of you just got mad at that right there because you think you're a great thinker. No, you're not a great thinker. You're a great stinker. Thinking will get you in trouble trying to figure out God, trying to figure out with your mind how God's going to do something, trying to figure out with your mind why, when, where... As soon as your mind begins to spin like that and begins to put those stipulations on God, it literally segregates you from the supernatural and from the miraculous. Because your mind is messed up. The Bible says the carnal mind is at enmity or goes contrary to the Word of God. That's why through submitting it to the Word of God, through renewing your mind, you take control of it. Your spirit mind literally takes control of your... I mean, your spirit takes control of your mind so that you cannot be controlled by your mind. I'm always amazed when people come to me with the phrase, Well, I think... Well, I think... Well, I think I'm get, I get ready for it. I say, okay, what do you think? And nine times out of ten, what they think is not right. Behold, Naaman was angry, he was wroth, and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. See, had it figured out. I'm going to go down there. Yep. How did he figure it out? His thought process. All the way down there. As he's traveling from Syria all the way to where the prophet's at, he's thinking in his mind, well, here's how it's going to happen. Now, you say, well, now, why would he do that? He's a planner. He's a military man. Most of us are planners. Now, there's a lot of, sometimes, you know, you find people that are just spontaneous in everything they do, and they, they usually get, up, get in a lot of trouble. But eventually, you're going to have to plan something. 
And most of us are planners. We have our own plans. We come up with our own ideas. We come up with our own, uh, you know, way in which we think our plans are going to be carried out. And so we're just like Naaman in a lot of, a lot of ways. So on the way over to the, 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 the prophet's house, he's thinking, oh yeah, here's how it's going. I can just see it now. I'll come up. He'll recognize somebody's great at the door. He'll recognize that, 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 you know, I'm a person of some, some importance. And he'll come out. And what he'll do is he'll lay his hands upon me and upon the leprosy. And he'll, he'll, he'll call on the name of the Lord his God. And then all of a sudden, right in the midst of that, uh, uh, he, will, he will declare me cleansed and I'll be healed. It's going to happen just like that. It's going to happen. And then when it didn't, instead of responding and changing to line up with the word of God, he left hoping the word of God would line up with him. Now, let me just say this. The Word of God is not going to line up with you. You've got to make a decision to line up with the Word of God. A lot of people think, I'm just waiting for God to get it right. No, God's not going to get it right. He's already got it right. He's waiting for you to get it right. What was that show we were watching the other day? And the woman said, I prayed and asked God and God said to, but I knew better. That's the way a lot of people are. I prayed and asked the Lord. God said to do it, but I knew better. We'll just leave that at that. Amen. Are not the Farner and the Abarner rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Now, in the, in the, in the Hebrew language, the word wrath or anger and rage, it, it literally means he's at one level and he actually increases the more he thinks about how it should have done, how he should have done it his way. The more he thinks about how God did not do it his way, the more he meditates on how God did not do it his way, the madder he gets. The more angry he gets. And you say, you say well, I, I'm not like that. You would be amazed how many people are mad at God. They are mad at God because God did not do something their way. They are mad at God because it did not work out their way. And the more they meditate on that, and the more they think about it, and the more they turn it over and over and over and over in their mind, the madder they get. If you're caught up in that scenario, then get healed. Stop, stop the carousel of that from going on in your life. Get off of that thing and make a decision to get healed and go back and obey the initial thing God told you to do. Now notice this in verse 13. It says, And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much more than when he saith unto thee, Wash and be clean. You know what he's saying? He said, Man, this guy could have really made it hard for you. This guy could have really demanded something. But he's made it so easy that you missed it. I mean, there's always the fantasy in our mind of the great thing we would do with what we don't have. Oh, I tell you, if I had a million dollars, I'd tie the 100000 to the church and give another $25,000 off. But with the $100 you have, you see what I'm saying? Oh, I tell you, I, 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 I'm going to go and I'm going to preach to the masses in China. But you won't go to the outreach and pray for a little drug addict. 
Amen. It's so simple many times what God says to do. And it's so easy many times what God says to do. We need the servant. How many know who the great servant of the body of Christ is? That's the Holy Ghost. To come and not condemn us, but to convince us or to convict us of that which we're warring against, which is to our benefit. He's fighting against a word that heals him of leprosy and leprosy will kill him. Try that again. He's fighting against. He's doing everything he can do to reject the word of his miracle. Until the servant came and kind of woke him up and said, Hey, now listen. Wait a second. If this guy would have bid thee to do some great thing, to go on some military campaign, to go and get him some type of treasure, to go on some great quest, or great, you would have been up to that. And the reason is, is because then you would have had something to do with your miracle. You could have been involved and you would have had a platform for your pride to begin to develop because it just wasn't God. It wouldn't look what the Lord has done. It's look what me and God have done. And God does not share His glory with anybody. I mean, He'll share a lot of stuff with you, but God shares His glory with no man. And God doesn't want at the end of the day saying, look what me and God has done. Because it always starts off as God and me and ends up as me and God. Amen. No, God wants you to get to the point where you say, look what the Lord has done. Look what God has done. He's glorious in His workings. He's supernatural in His power. He has set me free. He has delivered me. It's God. It's all God. I give all the glory to God. By His mercy and grace, He's done this in my life. Oh, but you're a great man of faith. You're a great church of faith. No, no. It's by the grace and mercy of God that we are who we are and we have what we have. So finally, then He went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Now, you know, we could have done without verse 11, verse 12, verse 13. Three verses of Naaman. Two verses of God, three verses of Naaman. And notice, when Naaman went back and just did the simple thing, he couldn't take any credit for it, He couldn't get on the me and God bandwagon. All he was going to do is get his miracle that he needed. And when he got the miracle, when he he, he obeyed the word of God and dipped in the Jordan, he got the miracle and his flesh was made clean. He could have lost the whole thing. He could have lost the whole thing and ended up dying of leprosy and segregated from his society. You think they were going to let him continue to be a general in the army? You think they were going to let him continue to live in the city? They'd have thrown him out with the rest of the lepers and he'd have to live in the garbage dump. He wouldn't be with his family anymore. He wouldn't be with his military unit anymore. He wouldn't be with his king anymore. He'd literally, his whole life would change for the worse. But God rescued him out of it. Now he's got a testimony everywhere he goes. Of the goodness of God. Or he could have stayed in his anger and in his wrath and in his offense feeling like, well, this is a violation. I had a, I had a plan. I had a plan, Lord. I had it all figured out. See, don't ever get it all figured out when it comes to God. Amen. Just let God be God. Now, go to Matthew chapter 11 real quick. Is this helping anybody? It's helping me. 
Matthew chapter 11. Now this is, this is a, gets a little more personal here. Oops, I'm in Mark. Let me get to Matthew. Verse 2 of Matthew chapter 11, the story of, one of the stories of John the Baptist. It says, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto them, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now notice verse 6, and blessed, everybody say blessed. blessed. Say it again. Blessed. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me or at the way I choose to perform or do things. Amen? Amen? Now notice this. Everybody in here would agree that John the Baptist was a man of God. Everybody in here would agree that John the Baptist uh, had, the, had the, 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 the forerunning ministry, that he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness as prophesied by Isaiah, that he was the fulfillment of that prophecy, and that he fulfilled that prophecy. prophecy. And then we know that Jesus came in Matthew chapter 3 and submitted himself to that ministry, was baptized of John in the Jordan, came up out of the Jordan, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, came down upon him. Amen? Amen. Now from then on, John, out of his own mouth, out of his own mouth, prophesied exactly what should happen after that. I must decrease so that he can increase. How many of you ever read that in the Bible? So right there, he knew the will of God and he knew the plan of God. Now the Bible says he's where? He's in the prison. Now let me tell you how he got in the prison. He got in the prison, he went into Jerusalem, and he, and he, and he basically was all upset of a bunch of sin that was being committed by the king and his family who were a bunch of sinners and heathens anyway. You know what sinners and heathens do? They sin. So he, th- he thought he would try to go and correct that. And when he went and corrected that or tried to correct that, they got mad, brother. I mean, they didn't just get, you know, get out of here mad. They got, put you in the jail mad. Not only that, we know the eventual outcome was it cost him his head. They chopped his head off. Executed him. Now, let me say something to you right up front. That was not the will of God for John the Baptist. If you think that that was the will of God for John the Baptist, you have not read the Bible. It is not the will of God that John the Baptist end up executed by a wicked king. I guarantee you it was the will of God for John to be there at the day of Pentecost. It was the will of God for John to go out and preach the gospel of the New Testament. That was the will of God for John. But John, what happened to him was this. He literally got offended. You say, how do you know he got offended? Jesus said, blessed or empowered are those who shall not be offended in me or at the way I choose to do things. So he was identifying John as one that was offended, violated, or victimized by the way Jesus chose to do things. Now notice this. All you can do is kind of read between the lines. There's no definitive scripture that, 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 that carries us in this direction. But just for teaching's sake or just for you know, kind of thinking out loud, why did he do that? First of all, we know 
that as long as he's the voice of one crying in the wilderness, he's in the will of God. We can say it like this. The wilderness was his place. In the wilderness was his provision. In the wilderness was his ministry. In the wilderness is where he was defined, where he was called. The wilderness, as long as he was in the wilderness, the wilderness, everything was okay. But he got offended and left his place. And when he got offended and left his place, he went to the city and preached the wrong message to the wrong person at the wrong time. Why did he do that? Well, he's human just like we are. Could he have had in his mind figured out a scenario which he had grabbed hold of in which he would be a disciple of Jesus. In which Jesus would walk over to Galilee and choose fishermen and and to Jericho and choose tax collectors and, and then out to the wilderness and choose him because, you know, all things being equal in his own mind and I'm sure in the mind of anybody else, If anybody was qualified to be a disciple, a chosen disciple of Jesus, it was John. Flowing in the ministry, prophesied by the ancient prophets, doing the will of God, but it didn't happen that way, did it? He chose Peter, James, and John. He chose Judas, Timothy, Matthew. He chose all of those other guys And just kept right on walking past John the Baptist. It didn't happen. That didn't mean God didn't have a plan for him. It just wasn't that plan. I have seen this happen so much. In ministry, in business, in all different kinds of uh, endeavors in life. Where people have this thing fixated in their mind. They will not let go of it. It's fixated in their mind. And they think, this is the way it's going to happen, or it ain't going to happen. And the problem is, if you hang on to that, it can lead you to destruction. If you hang on to that, you can end up leaving your wilderness and going to a place where you're even subject to death. Now, I've heard a lot of people use this, you know, uh, to try to keep people in their church. Well, I'm not going to do that. I'm saying this. Number one, your place is in Christ. You better guard your place in Christ. You're a new creature. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. And in knowing that and doing that, God will put you in your place in the church. So it's that place in Christ you've got to concentrate on. But here's the thing. If you make a decision to leave your place in Christ, say, well, I'm just going to go out. You know, I'm just kind of mad at God, kind of mad at what God, uh, what's gone on in my life. And I, I don't like the way things are going, the way God has done things. You can look at some things in your life and God's actually done some things, but you don't like the way it has transpired. You don't like the way it's happened. I don't like the fact that a storm hit. I don't like that. I could have come up with a much better scenario than that. You say, what is that? Leave it alone. Send it to Louisiana or Mexico. We did not need four foot of salt water in our church or in my house. Did God do that? No, God didn't do that. But out of that, God had a plan. So instead of getting mad and shutting down on God and saying, well, look, you know, look, uh, you know, why, why'd, we ever, why'd we ever get that building? Why'd we ever start a church? God knew when we started the church seven years this was going to happen. Why didn't he tell us? You know why? We wouldn't have done nothing. We'd have sat around until the storm blew in and started doing something. 
So we made a decision, just leave it alone. Things happen the way they happen. People say, well, how, why did that storm come? You know why? Because it did. It's that simple. Leave it alone. But then out of that, we said it for years. We prophesied it for years. We're going to speak to every storm. We're going to command every storm to turn and go somewhere else. We're going to pray against the intensity of the storm. But if one comes, we're going to recover supernaturally. How many have ever said, heard us say that before the storm? And what has happened? Exactly what we have said has happened. Has it happened the way that you thought it would? No. I would have hoped, you know, 10,000 angels would have come out of heaven. And when we were, I was thinking about this the other day and I just kind of laughed at myself. I thought, God, why didn't you just, all the destruction on the island, but island church untouched. No water, not even the electricity went off. No water line, nothing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Lord, why didn't you do it my way? Guy gave me a testimony the other day. I was, uh, I was, Lee and I were at Star Furniture looking at some furniture. A friend of mine who's not saved yet, who we're working on, he came in, surfer guy I know, and he was talking about that they lost the top of their house and they found it like nine or ten houses down up on its side and they had to take a chainsaw to get into it. And he found the, the, the piece of furniture that his TV sat on. And that TV, uh, that, that, that piece of furniture that his TV sat on had a door. And that's where he kept all his magazines and books. And he says, they were just this, this, this bunch of goo. He said they were scooping out this, 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 all this paper that had been rotten and molding for all these weeks. And they got down and he said at the bottom was an old family Bible, a white family Bible. He said he picked it up and it was dry as a bone. Wasn't a drop of water, wasn't a water stain. He said, I turned every page to make sure I wasn't seeing things. He said, every page was dry. He said, that whole piece of furniture was soaking wet. All of those magazines had just turned into mush and that Bible was completely dry every page. Well, that could have been Island Church. What a testimony we would have had. Woo! But God knows. That might have been too much of a testimony. God knew exactly that that storm would come. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly how he's going to get us out of it. He knew exactly how he, and he's doing it according to his will. And we're letting God be God. You say, well, Pastor, what if the chairs don't come in? It don't matter. We're still going to have church. What if the doors don't get hung? They'll get hung eventually. The chairs will come in eventually. It'll all happen eventually. All we know is we have prayed and we have trusted God. And then we step back and say, God, you be God. We ain't going to get on the phone to church chair tomorrow morning and say, Now listen, if you can't get them chairs there by the 28th, we're going to cancel our order and then we're going to call our lawyer. I'm not going to do that. You could. But what difference does that make? It just puts you in a trial. You have to spend money on lawyers. No, you let God be God. Now here's John, and obviously there was something. If it wasn't that, it was something else that caused him to get offended. But notice, in his offense, he ended up where? In prison or bound. Anytime you get offended, you get bound up. The problem with offense is once you get offended, you cut everything in your life off of that angle. That becomes the, premier, uh, the, 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 the primary focus of your thought patterns, of your behavior, of everything in life. You can't get over that one thing. So it's just everything in life goes right off of that, right off of that, right off of that. 
Secondly, notice what he said. He goes to Jesus, uh, excuse me, goes to his disciples and he tells his disciples, now you go ask that guy. You go ask that guy. Is he the one that should come? Is he the Messiah? Or should we look for somebody else? Now my, if I would have been in prison with John and would have known anything, I would have said, now wait, 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 wait. Just a minute now. Aren't you the one that when we went to that meeting out there in the wilderness, you pointed at him and you said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world? Aren't you the one that said, There's one coming after me whose shoe latchet I'm not worthy to tie? I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And when you said that, you pointed to him. In your whole ministry and life defined by the revelation that you have of him. And now you're questioning, hold on. You're questioning revelation that gives you identity. See, that happens in so many different... Say you were believing God for healing. And you had to have the surgery. You know, I tell you, there's, there, there's been two or three times I've been gloriously and miraculously healed by the power of God. No surgery, no, no prescriptions, no... But there's one time I had to have the surgery. There's been some other times I've had to go to the doctor. I've had to take prescriptions. Why did God do it that way? I don't know. God's going to do it however He's going to do it. But I'm not going to get mad at the way He does it. But say you were believing God and you were believing God for a certain scenario that you have played out in your mind. But it didn't happen like that. And where everything out of your mouth used to be healing. Oh, God's a miracle. He's a healer. By His stripes I'm healed. Same Spirit that raised Christ. It dwells in me. I'm healed of God. Now all of a sudden you question that. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I went through so much medically. I, I had to take these treatments. I had, to, I had to do this and do that. And where that healing revelation gave you identity... It happens a lot with prosperity. People get enough teaching on prosperity to be dangerous. Or they get teaching on prosperity without wisdom. I had a guy come to my office back when we had an office in, in, in Lamarck when we were on the field. And he went and borrowed $10,000 to give into an offering. So he came by, by the, the, the office there to tell me what he had done. And I said, now wait a minute. I said, first of all, it's not an offering. Said, you got a ten thousand dollar debt. You're gonna have to pay all that back. But he had it all figured out in his mind that if he could get this ten thousand dollar seed in the ground, that he is gonna just make all these millions. Did you know it didn't happen that way? And there's people that they got it all figured out. Well, I'm gonna tie an offer, I'm gonna win the lottery. No, you're not. God doesn't use vice and sin to bless his people. Amen. You may have had it all figured out how God was going to use this business or that business. And you say, well, I, 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 this business failed. and that, it, must not, it must not be the will of God for me to be in business. But your mind spins with business ideas. You just haven't got the right one yet. Amen. Amen. Some of you have gone from job to job. You just haven't got the right one yet. You, still, you need to keep seeking, asking, and knocking. When you make a decision, I'm going to let God be God and I'm not going to let it challenge the perimeters of my revelation and the identity. If I hadn't got two nickels to rub together, I'm still going to declare my God supplies all of my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm not going to let down my most valuable asset, which is my revelation, 
I'm not going to give it away over to anger and offense. I'm just going to let God be God. Now let's close with this. My time's up. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go show John again. So it must not have been the first time. Those things which you do hear and see. Now notice. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed are empowered is he. Whosoever shall not be violated, victimized, caused to stumble or fall, or offended in me. Now here's the deal. Notice Jesus did not rearrange everything to fit into the perimeter of John's offense. God, Jesus, the Holy Ghost will not do that. You say, well, was there any out for him? Jesus just spoke the word. That word is out of Isaiah. He said, now listen, if John's going to get healed, this is the only thing that can heal him. Go tell him again the things that you do hear and see. I am the fulfillment of the scripture that he preached. John preached that scripture. I am the fulfillment of the scripture he has preached. Here's what the word says. Here's what the word says. Here's what the word says. Make a decision not to be offended by it. Make a decision to let it put a demand upon you. Make a decision to let me be God and everything's going to be okay. Reject it, fight against it, rebel against it, and you're going to have trouble your whole life. And he said, you're empowered if you make a decision to let God be God. Just let God do it. Leah and I, we had no idea. I mean, when we first started talking about starting Island Church, we, were, we did it with fear and trembling. We were like, my goodness. You know, we were kind of like, God, if this ain't you, strike us dead now because we don't want to get in... <laughs> We don't want to get in that mess. Am I right? I mean, we, were, we did it with fear and trembling. And we had no idea what to do. We had no idea. I'd been on the field for 20 years. I didn't want to, I would, I didn't want to have to, you know, do all of the administrative, all the organizational. All, I didn't want to, we, were, we were happy doing what we were doing. We were blessed doing what we were doing. We're believing God for an airplane. We're believing God for a King Air B-200. But God said, no. That's not my way. That's not my way. So we just shut it down. And we begin to pray. And we begin to worship God. We begin to praise God. And we didn't know, I didn't know anything to do, but I had one thought. This would have been September of 2001. I had one thought. Well, we can ask some other people to pray with us. So I basically, we basically just told Roland and a couple other people, we're praying at my house on Tuesday night. And so when people would come, we would tell them right up front, now we're praying about starting a church here on Galveston Island. We're praying about it. Roland remembers that. Some of the others here remember that. And we just tell people, we're praying. What are you going to do? We don't know. We're going to pray though. And I continued to travel and and we continued to do something. And we just kept praying. Well, that was September, October, November, December, even into January. And, And next thing you know, we look up and there's 60, 70 people praying with us. And God spoke to me and said, well, there's your church. Just start it now. So the first Sunday of February 2002, we said, okay, and we kicked it off and hadn't quit yet. We hadn't stopped yet. We've just, how, how did that happen? I don't know. I just let God be God. I could have done it a lot of other ways. I could have done it, you know, but I just, I just had to let God be God. Has everything worked out the way you thought? Nothing has. What do you mean the way I thought? 
I learned to quit relying on my thinking to frame what I think God's going to do. Say, how do you do that? I just don't touch it with my thought life. I pray, I release it to God, and we, we were devastated. We went through the building. Chairs are stacked up in a big pile. The smell in there. Some of you remember we went into that building. I don't know what it was that got into that building. But man, you couldn't, you couldn't stay in there for more than about 20 minutes. You had to leave. Your eyes would be watering. It was horrible. We didn't know what to do. And then when we started doing something, we did it based on thinking we had all this insurance, which this year they did not roll into our policy. Now what you going to do? Got a $120,000 job going on. You ain't got no money to pay it. That'll leave a lump in your throat. Heart beats a little faster. Well, we begin to pray. Next thing you know, the phone begins to ring. We never, we never, what's the miracle of, of what God's done here is we never ask anybody for a penny. We never put out the word. We never said, you know, people just begin to call me up. So I'm going to send you this. I'm going to send you that. I'm gonna, money begin to come in from every direction. Money began to come from here and that. What was amazing was the pastors called me up and said, you know, uh, we just sent you uh, an initial check, and then we then we told our church about about what happened, and we took an offering, and now here's the rest of what came in, and there would be even bigger than their initial check, and it just flowed in. And next thing you know, we're paying cash for everything we do. We've paid cash for everything we've done up to this point, and then the church began to give. How 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 did it happen? It was God, Amen. and it was amazing the stuff that came in the mail. Uh, people, not, not all the good stuff, but all the things of, of, we'll help you recover. We'll raise finances for you for 10%. We'll contact all these people. We'll do it. None of that ever works out. It never, we just took all that and threw it in the garbage. So we don't need any of that. We're letting God be God. Amen. It's the same thing in your life. It's the same thing in your life personally. If you're struggling in an area, especially an area where you've really been believing God, back off a little bit. Ask yourself, have I got it all figured out? How God's going to heal my body, bless my finances, fix my marriage, fix my business, fix my kids. Have I got that all figured out? And am I trying to, am I trying to force God in to my pattern, into my scenarios, into my ideas, into my framework? Or am I submitting to His scenario, His patterns, and His framework? And when you begin to think like that, it's amazing how God will begin to show you, well, I never told you to do that. I never told you to do that. I never told you to do I, All I told you was, just go down and dip in water seven times. I didn't give you some big detailed plan. I gave you something very simple to do. And if you'll just do that, then the miracle will come. Amen. 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 Lift your hands and thank God for it. Thank God. Thank God for His wisdom. Thank God for His Word. Thank God for His goodness. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Now, let me say this. One of the worst things you can do in life is to think you have it figured out when it comes to the reality of life after death. You think you got it all figured out. Well, I'm going to get good pretty soon. I'm going to get it all figured out here. I'm going to clean up my life. That'll never happen. If you think you've got it all figured out when it comes to Life after death. What happens after you die? You don't unless you've got it figured out by the Word of God. There are two types of people. 
People that die and go to heaven and people that die and go to hell. What separates the two is this. The people that die and go to heaven are the people that have made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. They're the people that have believed in their heart and confessed with their mouth that God's raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus himself said, there's no other way to the Father except by me. And I think sometimes people get get all stirred up because of all the different religions. I heard a guy say this one time. He said, well, you know, everybody's taking their own path. Some taking the Buddha path. Some taking the Muhammad path. Some taking the Confucius path. Some taking the... No, no. There's not but one way. Jesus is the only one out of all of those guys that ever said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the... He's the only one that ever said that, ever made that profession. Confession. He's the only one that ever did it. To think there's some other way is to be deceived. To think there's some other way to eternal life is to be deceived. You say, well, you putting down all those other religions? I don't have anything to do with all those other religions. I don't preach a religion. I preach a man who became man for me so that he could become Lord over me. Let me try that again. He became a man for me so he could become Lord over me. And I die in faith in him. And I don't hope, I don't believe, I know that if I was to be absent from this body, I would be present with the Lord.